Welcome to the Rock of Bay County, Florida, where our vision is to be a multi-generational gathering, moving as one body to bring the glory of Yahweh to this beautiful county and to all the earth. We hope you are encouraged and blessed as you listen to this message. I want to um, to to jump back into this thing. I don't want to I don't want to move past it. So for for those of you that weren't here last week, great. I believe that um, this word. Uh, that we're going to talk about today is one of the biggest shifts in in me, at least I can say uh, that that yeah, the revelation that Yahweh has given me, He's given me a lot, but this has impacted my my life in such a tangible way uh, more than anything else that He's given me. Um, and then, uh, and then if you were here, I, I ask you to don't don't disengage. If you if I say something, you're like, yeah, oh, I remember him talking about that. This is going to be kind of a little bit of a review, but the reason is because it's I believe it's so vital to this house. I believe it's so vital, and uh, you know, leading up to uh, to this last week, I, I I've said that for the past two or three weeks, I've had this word in my heart, but. Prior to that, I had I had a lot of different revelations. I felt that Yahweh was throwing at me as it pertains to the fruits of the Spirit and prayer and healing and different things that Ben and I have talked about that really excite me and that I, I was really you know I, I thought were going to be something that we we bring in here and it was all halted by this one word that I could not get past. Every single morning I woke up and that word is hope. And I don't want us to get lost in the simplicity of what of that of that word of hope. We know that, uh, for those of you that were here last week, I'm going to stop saying that. I'm just going to go into this. That word is, is a joyful expectation. That's the biblical meaning of hope. It's not a wish, which is what we think of it as. We think of even probably if you were here and you heard that when I first say hope, the initial thing that comes to your head is like that hail Mary past the wish. I hope something happens. But the truth is, is that biblical, and it's all throughout scripture, but that word is a joyful expectation. And I've turned that to say for myself, it's, it, just, it just works for me. As I say, it's an expectation that fills me with joy. <clears throat> and I want to say this. I, uh, don't, let's, not, let's not change that word in our minds, right? Like, let's not get past the simplicity of that word. It's hope, hope. Trisha, I know you brought something to help your, you know, help you shift. And at the end of the day, you got to do what you got to do. But I'm, I want to challenge us to not try to change a word that Yahweh gives us, but rather change our mind. Let it challenge, let it offend the way we think of something. So, so it, you know, the, it says that, that, uh, that the kingdom of God is at hand. So it says repent, which we know is metanoia, which means to change your mind. So the kingdom of God is at hand. Change your mind. So when a word of simplicity or something that, you know, it's funny, I remember when we were naming our boys, or even, no, Mila, we knew all, all along, but with our boys, every time we, we went through like the Google list of names, we were, you know, we were really hearing by Holy Spirit on that one. He did eventually come in and give us that, but we, we were just going through all these names. And I remember I'd say, I felt like I would say a name, Eva would be like, no, I knew this person like this. <sighs> okay. What about this name? No, I knew, I was like, well, you knew everybody with every name. And, uh, and it's true, though. We, we so associate a word and so associate a name or a phrase, and he called us to be redeemers. He, we're, we're, we redeem things. We don't, we don't just go, uh, well, I, I, don't, that, I don't like the way that sounds. This makes me think this. This reminds me of a time like this. We're called to bring back that thing into original intent, right? So when he gives us a simple word of hope, that immediately makes us go, that's a wish or that's a, that's a, that's the, that's the, you know, I, I really hope that happens. We go, no, okay. I, I'm going to shift my way of thinking. I'm going to, I'm going to change my mind. I'm going to tap into that metanoia and say, he's trying to show me something so much deeper that I can't get if I don't call it hope. If I try to call it something else or label something else so that I change and make myself feel better about it. Right. I found myself like sometimes I, I get in this. I'm like, why do I word play? Like, why do I have to change? To, why do we have to do that so much? And I, and I just I I, I realize that really what is happening here, 
what I believe that Yahweh is doing with this people right now, and, and with uh, uh, not just us, but multiple kingdom people throughout this planet, um, is, that, is that it's not, I've started to see it differently than I'm becoming like Christ. Like, that's true. I, I, I want to become like Christ, but how he's changing me to think is just have awareness that I'm like Christ. We didn't come from, it wasn't death, then gradually coming into life, right? It wasn't, he was, he died, and that song we were singing out, praise be to, praise be to the one who, but praise be to the one who lives. And we didn't come from just a death and then start to, now, but see, here's the difference, is there's a renewing, the Bible says, be ye not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our mind. So it's not that we get rid of our mind and say, man, this thing makes me do, think the wrong way. And do, it says, renew your mind, have the mind of Christ. So really what I'm just starting to see is that I'm, I'm, my mind is starting to be renewed and I'm starting to be convinced that I am like Christ, that that was available for me. There's a weird, 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 strange, challenging scripture in Revelation that says this. It says he was the lamb slain, before the foundations of the world. This statement has filled me with so much hope in all situations because I heard someone say about this, say this about that scripture, and they said this, before there was an issue, there was a solution. It's a different perspective that that there's not something that comes up and it's like, Yahweh's like, oh my gosh, didn't see that one coming. Come on, let's get this, uh, what do we got? Angels, y'all come, let's have a conference. Let's figure this thing out. What can we do to help Ben out today? No, he, he says, before the foundations, he was the lamb that was slain. I knew, I had a plan. I have a, I have a, a, a trump all for everything. And this just starts to fill me with hope. So I just, I, I see this thing of, of, of we are, what we're doing in here, when we're getting revelation, it's not that we're coming in here and we're just becoming more like Christ. We are like Christ. We, we were made in the likeness and image of God. We aren't being, starting to become, and we have been made. This is how we were designed. And what we're doing is coming back to the original intent by the renewing or refreshing of our minds. Is that good? Does that help you? Do you see that? So, so when we get words like hope, when we get words like peace and joy and, and rest or whatever it might be that seems so simple and so, I, got, I know what that means. I got you. I see it. I, I understand that we don't, just, we don't just stop there. I feel like with hope, I, I was telling Ben this this past week, but I just feel like I'm like this like animal on the scratching the surface of this thing. And I don't have, I don't believe I have even, even just the tip of the iceberg, so to speak, of this hope thing. I believe that this hope, hope is, is, is the necessary ingredient for all of the, it's why I believe that Yahweh stopped me in some of the revelations that I was getting and took all of my drive and all of my passion out of that for this one thing, which is hope, which is a joyful filled expectation, which is a change in the perspective of who I am, who he is, how this whole thing works all together and coming into the knowledge and the understanding and the renewing of my mind of what hope actually is in my life sets me up for all of the other things to activate effectively. <clears throat> so I'm going to review some of this stuff. And, uh, and, I, and I just want to say one more thing before I get started. The, I, I was, I, the, the, some, someone told me that, you know, there's some people that were, that were saying, I mean, I, I want to be a part of this thing. And I, I'm here because I want to be a part. But I, it's so hard sometimes it's so hard to let, not, not let go of the old. Like, I don't want to go back to the old or the old glory days or whatever else. But, but like, I, I just find myself, like, I don't know where I fit here. I don't know how these things, and I just, I want to encourage you with something that was brought to me last week, which is one thing have I desired of the Lord that will I seek. And it is absolutely okay, 100% to be in a place of seeking. If this presence thing, if this hope thing, if this doesn't speak to you quite as much as how things have been or what it was, understand that this is a, you have a desire, you are here. And there's a seeking that's within you. And Matthew says, seek and you will find. 
knock and the door will be open unto you. So just, I, I just, I just encourage you with that. If you're in that, I, I thank you for being here and for being a part. Uh, you know, the, the, don't, don't get, don't let yourself get stuck in the glory days and miss the glory days, because I believe that there was a glory we're stepping into and we are in another glory and it's great and it's amazing. And I want us through the renewing of our minds and through hope filled hearts and a hope filled people to realize what a big deal this moment in this time is right. Amen. Good. All right. So let's start. Let's jump into judges six, which is the story of Gideon. Um, we, we talked about this last week, but, um, but, but I believe it's a good place to start. Um, I'm not going to rush this. I have some more things that, uh, that I want to say about this. My wife got onto me this past week about how I read scripture so fast. And she's like, sometimes it just doesn't, I don't get it because you just go so fast through it. But I get so excited and like getting to the next point. I want to stay here because again, nothing has impacted my life. A revelation that Yahweh has given me for this day, like this, like a tangible right now type of word than, than this message of hope, this perspective. I said last week that what, what I found myself doing in a practical way is before I lay my head down to go to sleep at night, I make the declaration that I am a man of hope, that I am a man filled with joy because of the expectation of good. And I do that throughout my day. I do that in the morning when I wake up. I do that before I go to bed. I do that in, in circumstances. There's things that come up in my, in my declaration, no matter what that might be, is that I am a man of hope because hope does not, is not needed. It's not that it just doesn't operate. Hope in a lot of the tools of the kingdom that we're given don't work outside of circumstance. This is one of those things that Yahweh has given me is that I, I've, I said last week, I escape escapism. Like I escape this mentality that if I just get to hear them things, and, and, and we all are guilty of that. I'm talking about in the natural, if I could just, you know, finish this, if I could just get on the other side of this, if this could just be like this, if they could see it this way, if my relationship could get better, if my child could do this, if I could get this thing finished, like my house could be restored, whatever it might be, if I could get to the other end of this, then then I can, I, can, I can relax and jump into this. But what's going to happen, we all know this to be true, though we still live in this, is that you're going to get on the other side of that, and then the next thing starts. And it's, if I could just, and, and you start to miss the point in a practical way that life is happening every single day. And every single day, it's not just like, well, my kids are getting older. It's that, what have we missed when his mercies were new this morning? When a new side of him has come alive in me, like what, when my mind is renewed, do I start to see things as, as this, today's the day that Yahweh has made. And I, so I feel like this message of hope, this, this understanding that he has this whole thing planned, that there's a joyful expectation of what he's going to do, allows me to not just be like, I can't wait, I can't wait. It actually, from this, this spiritual impartation of hope, I feel like I just, I'm seated, I just feel like I'm seated in today. I just feel like I'm in a place where I don't, I, I don't, I don't worry about tomorrow. It'll worry about itself. And some of this stuff, again, don't get so stuck on the practicality of it that you miss of how big of a deal this, this is, this, this word. So escape escapism. You know, we, we, uh, we've defined, we defined a lot of our, I feel like even myself, I always defined where I was in the kingdom or where I was with Yahweh based on my circumstance at the time. I think we all kind of do this is, is things are, things are not quite how they should be, or I'm not, I'm not as successful as that person. My kids aren't like this person or aren't as, aren't as well behaved or whatever it might be. There's a, a circumstance where I feel like someone else has gotten it, the, this thing figured out. And you miss, you, you start to measure, say like that, I, I have, I, I'm not quite in it like they are. And you got to understand, first off, that a lot of people portray that they're in it a lot more than they're in it, right, first off. But secondly, is that it's not based on the circumstance. That's not the success. That's not how Yeshua based success. He, didn't, he wasn't successful because there weren't circumstances around him. That he wasn't because he was the richest man and did all the, it was, that was not his success story. 
his success story is that within the midst of every circumstance around him, he was seated in peace and hope. That was his success story. And that as, 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 as kingdom people, whether we're, things are just running and gunning and it's great and we're doing, it's still, that's not because I'm not saying that Yahweh doesn't add to and do abundance and there's not things that he blesses. And I'm saying, I'm saying that my success is based on this. One thing have I desired of the Lord that will I continue to seek that I might dwell in his house all the days of my life, that I will be seated in a place of hope and peace and I'll have relationship walking with him. That's, that's my success today. I have a deeper revelation of the presence. There's a, there's a renewing of my mind that's happened. I'm more filled with hope than I was yesterday. That's my story of hope. It's gotta be our story of hope. So judges, Judges 6. I'm going to start at I'm going to start in the very beginning 6:1. <clears throat> so it says then the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. So the Lord delivered them into the hands of the Midian uh, of of Midian for 7 years, and the hand of Midian prevailed against Israel. Because of the Midianites, the children of Israel made for themselves the dens, the caves, and the strongholds which are in the mountains. So it was whenever Israel had sown, Midianites uh, would come up, also Amalekites, and the people of the east would come up against them. Then they would encamp against them and destroy the produce of the earth as far as Gaza and leave no sustenance for Israel, neither sheep nor ox nor donkey. For they would come up with their livestock in their tents, coming in as numerous as locusts. Both they and their camels were without number, and they would enter the land to destroy it. So Israel was greatly impoverished because of the Midianites, and the children of Israel cried out to the Lord. So I wanted to read that first part. I skimmed over it last week, and I, I want you to just—I want you to understand this. This circumstance here. Because so many times I uh, say this, we read through these things, we don't put ourselves in there. We're talking about what if you sat down to eat tonight, put food on the table for your children or for your family or for yourself, and someone came and snatched that and left. Every single time you sat down to eat or every single time you finally got your bearings, those things were snatched out of you know, my, my child's hungry. They're dying. I don't know what to do. That's what's going on for these seven years to the Israelites. Every single thing is being taken from them. That's, that's big. That's, a, that's hopelessness. Right? That's hopelessness. And um, I think it's, 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 I heard someone talk about that famine in the Bible and most of the, most every single time that you see famine or you see drought in the Bible, it's always related, or especially with the Israelites, it's related to the Yahweh going silent. That it's his word. And even, even there's many Psalms that say, that correlate the, his word with hope that my hope is in your word. And so there's this silence of like cutting themselves off that they come into this place of drought and famine. So they're in a, a completely hopeless place where they don't, where nothing is, nothing seems to be going the way that they need it to go. And so then let's jump into 11. That gives you the background. So now the angel of the Lord came and sat under the terebinth tree, which was in Afra. did I say 11, 6, 11. That was in Afra, which belonged to Joash, the Abiezrite, while his son Gideon threshed wheat in the wine press in order to hide it from the Midianites. So again, Gideon is hiding this, this thresh. He's trying to thresh this wheat, but he's hiding it in a wine press. This is the state he's in to try to keep this from the Midianites. And then the angel of the, the Lord appeared to him and said, the Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. Yahweh is with you, you mighty man of valor. Can you just, just think of Gideon at the time? Just think about how shocking this is. First off, dude, I'm hiding this thing. I'm over here. I'm trying. I'm a mighty man of valor. I'm hiding. I'm trying to keep this from these people that are just as, 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 as great as locusts that take everything from us and are stripping everything. How are you going to tell me that I'm some mighty man of valor? But I believe that this is step one in ever becoming a people, a man, a woman of hope. And that is because there's one thing, which is beloved identity that you must be rooted in to actually have biblical hope. 
And this is what he's doing. He's coming in. He's giving you a different perspective of who he sees you. There was nothing from your past that got you to this point, And there's nothing from your past that keeps you from this point, right? That beloved identity is freely given to us. And though that seems like such a Christian-y, just surface level thing, if you don't walk in beloved identity of who you are as a son, you're not going to walk in hope. You're not going to walk in relationship. You will constantly see things from a different perspective other than son. So he says, the Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. And Gideon said to him, oh, my Lord, if Yahweh is with us, why then has all of this happened to us? And where are all his miracles, which our fathers told us about? If this is the truth, if Yahweh is so with me and I am, I'm his beloved, then why? How many times do we come to these places of then why? And I just love that this is in here when he says, which our fathers told us about. Now, I've heard stories about this of these great men that came before me and that were successful in all of this stuff and, and felt and had the infilling of, of, of the presence of Yahweh with them and he led them in and out of places and there was this great stuff, but, but we've messed up and I am not the mighty man of valor. You're, you might've gotten me confused with someone that came before me. I remember the stories of this, but I, that's not me. So he says, which our fathers told us about, very important, saying, did, the, did Yahweh bring us up from Egypt, but now the Lord has forsaken us and delivered us into the hand of the Midianites. Then Yahweh turned to him and he said, go in this might of yours. <laughs> I just love that he does not let go of this. He does not change his perspective because you don't get it, Right? His promise of that, that, that you are my son and that I created you in the likeness and image of me does not change uh, based on our inability to perceive it that way. That's why we're coming into a renewing of our mind of who we actually are in this planet and in this earth. I think that there is a, there is a cycle that was stopped by Apostle Ball, by someone that stepped into a pioneering role that said 2,000 years ago when people said, we should have been walking in this, shouldn't we? When it was from death to life, we should be there. And I think that there was, I mean, if you think about the, the shadow after this now being cast and people being healed by a shadow, there's this, this greater works things happening, but people always get in, the natural comes in and it wants to, 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 to make something out of it. Let me get it, be a part of it in the way where I can, uh, where I can make it some kind of structured thing. So it makes a little more sense so I can package it and give it to someone else. And then we come into a revival and things are changed and we awaken and all this kind of stuff. Well, let me get a part of that. And let me put that back in the religious cycle and box it and do these things. And then you finally have some people, which I don't believe is just apostle F. Nolan Ball. I actually have hope that there's more that stop that cycle on a planet and says, I'm, I will be the pioneer so that you guys can, can go further. I will, I will be the pioneer to stop the cycle and stop this just confusing mess of going back into religion so that you can walk for, further. The pioneering day is a day of glory, but it's not comparable to what's to come. It's the purpose of what they did is what's to come. So which our fathers told us about. Go in this might of yours, not theirs. Remember, he says, go in this might of yours. This is how I see it. I'm talking about the might that you just, you have, that I saw. This is my perspective of you. This is my beloved identity of you. You go in that perspective. Even after he just questioned all of that stuff. So he says, go in this might of yours and you shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent you? So he said to him, Oh, Yahweh, oh, my Lord, how can I save Israel? Indeed, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. And the Lord said to him, surely I will be with you, and you shall defeat the Midianites as one man. As one man. As one man. 
the people around this county, the people on this planet, the people in the United States don't need you to come into agreement with them. People that are hopeless don't need you to see things the way they see things. They don't need you to agree with the same political stance that they have. They don't need you to find common ground. They need to see a people or one man or one woman filled with hope, filled with a different perspective. Someone that said, I repented. I didn't say I was sorry. I changed my mind because I see that the kingdom of Yahweh is at hand. It's right here. It's that close. So I'm ready to change my mind and step into who I was always designed to be. Oh, my Lord, how can I save Israel? After he's just thinking about his fathers and all that came before him and all the stories. Now you're telling me? Again, nothing of our past got you to this point. It's just as important to say that nothing from my past is keeping me from this point in this moment. Seek ye first the kingdom of Yahweh. All these will be added. You're seeking. You're here. You have a desire. You're here. It, that's, a, that's a huge thing. Okay, so let's jump over to 7 verse 2. Am I doing okay? Am I reading too fast? Or are you getting Okay, good. We're good. I like him in this balance because then I start to slow down. I'm like, well, that's too slow. Okay, let's get back up here. I'm learning. So 7 verse 2. And Yahweh said to Gideon, the people who are with you are too many for, for me to give the Midianites into their hands, lest Israel claim glory for itself against me, saying, my own hand has saved me. Stop under, trying to understand every single situation. This is what I'm telling myself. It's every single time I'm like, well, how's that going to play out? I'm just like, change your mind. Just hush your mouth and, and let Yahweh. T- this is, he is the God of it. The, the, the one ingredient that is consistent throughout all of scripture and probably all of your life is this shouldn't have happened. This was impossible. And if he starts to welcome us into a realm called impossible, that's what I feel like we're being welcomed into a realm called impossible. It's not going to work in understanding. It's impossible to get this hope that I'm talking about that you might have come in here and thought was a simple thing of, well, hope, I got it, hope. No, you're not going to get this without first a beloved identity in a perspective shift, a a renewing of our minds. And Yahweh said to Gideon, the people who are with you are too many for me to give the Midianites. Because this would glory, glory, the goodness. He wants us to see the glory and the goodness throughout these times. So he's not going to just let this come to a place where people go, yeah, I got that. So sometimes if you demand the understanding, you have to live in the consequences of that. Because I have a lot more faith in Yahweh pulling it down to 300 than when it was obviously natural would work out. So he says, so he says, uh, uh, Israel claimed glory for itself, me saying, uh, uh, against me saying, my own hand has saved me. Now, therefore, proclaim in, uh, in the hearing of the people saying, whoever is fearful and afraid, let him turn and depart out at once from Mount Gilead. And 22,000 of the people returned and 10,000 remained. I wonder if it was 22,000 people were honest. 22,000 left, 10,000 remain. (laughs) But then Yahweh said to Gideon, the people are still too many. Bring them down to the water and I will test them for you there. Then it will be that of whom I say to you, this one shall go with you. The same shall go with you. And of whomever I say to you, this one shall not go with you. The same shall not go. So he brought the people down to the water and Yahweh said to Gideon, everyone who laps from the water with his tongue as a dog laps, you shall set apart by himself. Likewise, everyone who gets down on his knees to drink and the number of those who lapped, putting their hand up to their mouth was 300 men, but all the rest of the people got down on their knees to drink water. Then Yahweh said to Gideon by my, by the 300 men, 
who lapped, I will save you and deliver the Midianites into your hand. Let all the other people go, every man to his his place. So the people took provisions in their trumpets in their hands, and he sent away all the rest of Israel, every man to his tent, and retained those 300 men. Now the camp of the Midian of Midian was below him in the valley. It happened on the same night that Yahweh said to him, here we go, arise, go down against the camp, for I have delivered and delivered it into your hand. Yahweh is outside of time, right? So our timetable of seeing that success come, Yahweh's perspective is it's finished. Everything, every provision, everything has been made for my people. So, so in this sense, when he's stepping back, he's not just making some crazy statement. Yahweh is saying, look, I've delivered them into your hands. Like I said last week, don't you think that, uh, that Gideon, after he's seen these people, it says that they were like locusts. Don't you think he was like, Yahweh, I have a little bit different perspective on this situation here. Like you're saying they're delivered. I'm seeing them like locusts. So how are they delivered? Uh, But if you are afraid to go down, go down to the camp with Purah, your servant, and you shall hear what they say. And afterwards, your hands shall be strengthened to go down against the camp. Then he went down with Purah, his servant, to the outpost of the armed men who were in the camp. Now the Midianites and the Amalekites, all the people of the east, were lying in the valley as numerous as locusts, like I said. And their camels were without number, and the sand by the seashore and multiple. In multitude, so essentially, what he's saying is that what you fear, I want you to go. I want you to go face. Um, I'm going to give you my perspective within the circumstance. So he, he's always. He, this is how he's always working with me, and I believe this is how he works with us. Is he's like sometimes in order to get the same perspective I have, I'm going to take you right in front of the fear. Psalms 23 talking about he makes a table before us before our enemies. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. But he takes you into a place of fear. He takes you into a place of seeing and facing for a new perspective. And so he comes into this place of right to the point that you feel fear. It's important to come back to the point of perspective. Because this is what happens in this point. So uh, I apologize for everybody that's in the back and is being distracted by (laughs) Mila. Uh, now the Midianites and Amalekites, let's see, we're um, as the sand by the seashore in multitude. 13 says, and when Gideon had come, there was a man telling a dream to his, his companion. So he came to his place of fear down in the camp of his enemies. And this is what happens here. There was a man telling a dream to his companion. He said, I have, a, I have had a dream. To my surprise, a loaf of barley bread tumbled into the camp of Midian. It came to a tent and struck it so that it fell and overturned and the tent collapsed. Then his his companion answered and he said, This is nothing else but the sword of Gideon, the son of Joash, and a man of Israel. Into his hand God has delivered Midian and the whole camp. And so it was when Gideon heard the telling of the dream and its interpretation that he worshipped. He returned to the camp of Israel and he said this. Now let's... Think about this. Has the camp been delivered yet? Has the war been won? But listen to what Gideon says. Arise, for Yahweh has delivered the camp of Midian into your hand. Let's go back to 9 when it says, It happened on the same night that Yahweh said to him, Arise, go down against the camp. I have delivered it into your hand. So in the face of fear... When he brings you into a circumstance that maybe seems a little bit out there, getting his perspective is what you're looking for. Not more fear, but a perspective shift. And understand that this hope thing, this understanding of I have a joyful expectation. I have an expectation that is infilling me with joy. It shifts your perspective to say, I have the same word as he has. Maybe I didn't going into it. Maybe I face it with fear for a moment, but it's all about the renewing of our mind, the mind of Christ and seeing things from this perspective. 
I said this, I said I wasn't going to say that, but, but last week I talked about Zechariah 9, and it says this wild thing. It says, return to your stronghold, you prisoners of hope. And then the famous one in Hebrews, you're anchored to hope. Hope as an anchor. There's, there's, a, there's a, something within presence, within relationship, that is, hope becomes this byproduct. That as I walk in the presence of Yahweh, as I seek him, that there's a hope, there's a joy that starts to fill that. There's not so much that I do as much as it just is a byproduct of who I am. And I couldn't escape it any more than I could escape a prison. So that terminology is almost poetic way to say, if you are a kingdom man, if you are a kingdom woman, if you are a son of Yahweh walking in the presence of him, you will have hope. And hope more abundantly. Even if today you're facing the fear, understand the perspective shift as you start to say, I am a person of hope. I am a people of hope. I am a man or a woman of hope. That changes your perspective and you start to come into alignment with the way Yahweh saw it. One of my favorite, favorite, favorite stories in the Bible is in John 12. And, I, and I've said this many times, but seeing it from this perspective just does something for me. Am I going out here? Okay, we're good. So it's it's this he, he's it's Yeshua starting to come to this place where he is realizing or he's coming into his awareness of of that the day is coming that he is to give his life there there's a there's this day that's coming and and he and he's uh, and he's talking to his his disciples and he makes a statement of though my soul is in turmoil again the circumstance thing not absent of the circumstance presence of the peace he says though my natural though my soul is in turmoil what should i say and he gives the two perspectives of a of a mind filled with fear and the moment versus one that's filled with hope and generational thinking he says what shall i say though my soul is in turmoil what should i say father deliver me for this hour one, or for this purpose, I came to this hour. Two, a perspective of a moment and a perspective of a generation of things to come, of the ongoing thing. I have been designed for this moment, for this purpose. Instead of me saying, I wish I could escape this moment and what I'm walking through and how I do this, I'm going to be filled with hope and say that my perspective is that I have come to this moment because Yahweh saw fit that I could walk it. That's why I believe we all walk through a hurricane that changed our lives is to be even more rooted in a place of hope to be even seen more as a people of hope. And this is our testimony that, that years and years and years from now, people will be, will be thinking or, or reading stories about this people of hope. I believe that this very ground, this is how much I believe this. I believe that this very ground that we're standing on right now is going to be an epicenter of hope. It is going to be something that absolutely draws people. There's a frequency being put out that starts to speak to the land around us. It's, it's here. It's within us. The kingdom of Yahweh, the Bible tells us, is here, within us. Where was I? Oh, so he says, so the, John 12, he, so he gives that perspective. And this is one of the most incredible, like, mic drop statements that I've, that I've heard in the Bible, which is Yahweh's statement back to Yeshua. And he says, so, so Yeshua says, what shall I say? Save me from this hour or for this purpose I came to this, this hour. And he says, so Yahweh glorify your name. And Yahweh comes in in such a powerful way that even those that are around think that it might be thunder or angels speaking. They can't quite interpret it. They might not be in the spirit, but they know something so Yahweh responded in such an amazing, powerful way. And he says, son, I have glorified it and I will glorify it that I count it all joy, that even in a moment like this, I have glorified my name. And sometimes we just need to step back into the perspective of how many times has he glorified his name in our situation, in our walk, and know that he is glorifying the situation, that he has and he will. 
And I just absolutely, absolutely love, 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 love that, that story. And it's such, a, it's such a Yeshua perspective of giving you two, two, two examples of hope. I've been in the place of saying, I wish I could be saved from this hour. That's the escapism talk that I'm talking about. But now I'm coming to the place of, for this hour, for, I can't, I, for this purpose, I came to this hour. Amen? That's so, so good. It's funny how, how much not having his perspective or having the right perspective of how Yahweh sees it makes you do the dumbest things. Really, like the dumbest things. We, we have this idea that we have it figured out and we're going to get it by. Our, and when it doesn't work out that way and we don't try to shift and go back to his perspective, we start to make decisions based on our perspective or how we should see things. And I think it's funny. Uh, I'll tell you a funny story about me that's, that's going to embarrass me a little bit, but it just is true. And it, I might have told this before, actually, but it's, but it's just a perspective thing is this one time I was going to Nashville. It was like four or five years ago to see my sister who lives there. And, uh, and I was flying Southwest and anybody that's flown Southwest knows is that it's a little bit different than a Delta flight or anything else. You, you are corralled into this place and it's first come first serve on the seats. You might have a, a, you have a, a, an entry point where this group can go in and then they can select their seat and then the next person and God forbid you are late to that flight. (laughs) And great news for you is for this story, I was late to that flight I come running up and there's nobody in the little bay there. And I just run down the, you know, check off my ticket and I start walking down and you know how, like, even in like a Delta flight, you're walking down and it's like, okay, 17 B you're going through and people that are like sitting there, like not making eye contact with you. I'm like, dude, you not making eye contact with me doesn't change the fact that I'm 17 B in your A. So just be nice about it and move over. But in this situation, it's even worse in Southwest flights because they're like trying to look like the most miserable people on the planet so you don't sit next to them. And they're just like, you're like, well, I guess I won't sit there. Got the message. So I'm late and I'm walking down the aisles and I'm, I'm seeing, I'm like, God, this thing is filled up. I don't know what I'm going to do. Like I'm going to have to turn. Okay, wait a second. There's two seats right in the back and I'm walking down this aisle. On the left side, and let me just make the, let me give you some background that makes this story a little more real so you understand me, is that I, there's two things about this, is I am naturally kind of, I find myself in a lot of awkward situations. I'm, I know I speak up here and I'm, I'm friendly and everything, but I I'm a, can be socially awkward a little bit. So that some people are going to say aha to that, but like I, I, I do awkward things sometimes in, around people. I don't know what it is, but then the, the other side of this is that I love my wife very, very much. Like, I love Eva so much. And those two things make this story one of the most embarrassing moments of my life. <clears throat> so I'm, <laughs> I'm walking down the aisle here, and, I'm, and, I, and I see these two seats. And on the left side of me are two very beautiful girls, thin and small, and a seat right in between them. Okay? And on this side, right pretty much equal with them, is, a, is another seat with two massive, hairy, big <laughs> men. And I don't know if I'd say there was a seat in between them as much as I'd say there was a sliver in between them. <laughs> and so I'm walking, I'm walking down this aisle. I'm walking down, and, I'm, and it, uh, the first initial thought is like, okay, I'll just sit then all of a sudden my weird perspective comes into this thing. And I start to go through this thing of like, all these people are going to be like, yeah, of course, of course you go sit next to the pretty girls and that whole thing. And I want to be like, look, I, I love my wife and she, you, you don't even understand. You don't compare, but like, I don't want to be seen as this dude that like, is just like typical guy here. He's going to go sit in between these girls and like, I don't know why I even think that, but that's, again, just a weird thing that I did. And so I have this person and I'm, and I'm walking up and as I get closer, I'm starting to get sweaty and nervous. And I'm like, wait, I know Mark, you know, you're going to sit in between that. My mind's outside of me going, no, you're going to sit in between these two girls. You get over there and sit down. But I start to get nervous and I'm like, 
what, what do I do? Well, I, I don't, I don't want to be seen this way. I don't want people to do. And by the time I got there, the time had run out. And I turned to go sit next to the girls. And then I turned back to the guys to sit down. I swear, I turned to the guys and I'm sitting there awkwardly. And I was, is this seat taken? And it's like, yeah, by the right side of my gut and the left side of his. And I'm like, and I just, I just say, uh, can I sit there? And I'm not kidding you. This guy gets up and his friends behind him and all of them say, are you serious? And I get in and just sit like this the entire flight to Nashville. I sandwiched in, in this hot, sweaty mess of just men and hair while these two little girls chatted up about the mall or whatever they're doing. And I fly all the way to Nashville that way. I can't tell you how uncomfortable, not just because naturally like being stuck. I was so, I was, as I sat down, I was like, this is the dumbest thing I've ever done in my life. Like, that's not the the perspective of what people had is this guy is, is he serious? That's one of the most awkward, uncomfortable people I've ever seen in my life. So see how I tie that into the perspective thing is it's just like, like we do stupid things with the wrong perspective, right? Just stupid things with the wrong perspective. And I don't mean to make a light of that because this is a serious thing, but there's, there's such an importance in getting into that perspective of, of Yahweh, of the Father, and seeing things the way he sees things. And you only do that and accomplish that through hope, through a joyful expectation of seeing that he sees this thing as good and he sees it as completed. All right. I hope y'all enjoyed that story. All right. Getting close here, so just bear with me. Uh, Romans 8, verse 2. I'm going to start with 2. and it's, um, it's To me, it's a setup for 6, 5, and 6 is where I want to go, but I feel like we need to start here. So Romans chapter 8, verse 2 says, For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death for what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh. God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh on account of sin. He condemned sin in the flesh that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to flesh, but according to the spirit for those who live according to the flesh set their what? minds for those that who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh but those who live according to the spirit the things of the spirit six for to be carnally minded is death but to be spiritually minded is life and peace because the carnal mind is enmity against god for it is not subject to the law of god nor can it be i think we see these words carnally and spiritually, and we see ourselves, we're good. You know, I'm, I'm not of this world. I'm not like I get it. That's not carnal. Carnally minded is such a, that's bad. And we're spiritual beings. We're spirit. But what I want to point out here is it doesn't say to be carnal. It says carnally minded and spiritually minded. And it says, for those who live according to, their, to the flesh, set their minds on the things of the flesh. This is that renewing of the mind thing. I just, I, I, I feel like there's, there's things that we do, whether it is, if we are subjecting ourselves to the natural law, if we are, if we are, if we're taking up space within our minds, again, not to throw our minds out, but to renew these things, to renew this stuff, to have the mind of Christ here on this planet. If we subject ourselves, one of the reasons I come after, I say stuff about the political world so much. Because it's not that, these, that it's bad, that we have good leaders and we have, that's awesome. That's, what, that's something to pray for. But it's not something to put our faith in. And the hope doesn't change based on who's elected. And the hope doesn't change based on what law is passed. Right? So we, we put ourselves in this fearful, uneasy, unsh- or shaken type of, of mindset because things don't take place in this world how we should. But the thing is, is that this is what the Bible says about us. It says, Christ in you is the 
of glory. That is the hope. That is the joyful expectation is him within you, not a political standpoint. And so when we come into a place of saying that I'm, I'm, I'm of the spirit, we have to have the mind of the spirit. We have to get out of this carnal thinking and understanding and seeing things to how it's going to play out, how it's going to work out and making sure if this happens, then this will happen. If this happens, then the glory of God, we, I've heard so much. If in 2019, we do this, then 2020 visions coming in. I mean, I, with those who I trust that might say stuff like that, I believe them. I can, I can, anything that can challenge my mind, I'm good. But like, to me, we have got to have the mind of Christ. We've got to have the renewing. That has to be our focus is that we always are coming into these things. We're letting hope renew our mind. Every day, hope renews my mind and my, my standpoint, my perspective, because it says that the flesh set their minds. So if you find yourself consumed in one arena, which is the reason, again, I talk about politics because I feel like that is such a thing here. If that is where your mind is set and that is where your time is set and that is what you're speaking about all the time and that is all you can, that's all that, that's all that your peace or your fear comes from. You see that? Like how much peace you get when someone that you believe should be elected is elected or a law is passed that you believe should be passed. Now, if your hope is the fact that I sat in as a standard and prayed that abortion would be, would be abolished, that these things that are not of Yahweh would be ended. And I have at the end of that still have my hope in the prayer that I, that I prayed that I have my hope in walking as, as, as Yahweh designed me to walk and stand as a standard. All those things are good, but at the end of the day, no matter what happens, my hope, my hope is still unshakable. My hope I'm still imprisoned to. Amen? All right. We're wrapping this up. I'm going to end right here. And this is, this is Isaiah 35. I know I've jumped through a lot of scripture, but there's so much. You could go in here and find so many amazing revelations of hope and how much this can impact us as a kingdom people. And I think it's, would, it, would, it would be very good for us, seeing as I believe Yahweh is bringing us into this, being the people of hope, being a standard of hope. This is who we are. That this house, the Rock of Bay County, call it small, call it whatever, this is a people of hope. This is a family of hope. This is a group that is filled with a joy because of an expectation of who he is and what he's going to do here. Amen. So, so I, it would, it would, it would, it would be good for us to go back and listen, even myself, go back and listen to what was spoken last week and what is being spoken this week. And then whatever comes from this again, but we need to dive into these things that I believe Yahweh is showing us. So Isaiah 35, We've spoken this before. Everybody knows, or not everybody, but a lot of people know this. It's popular. 35.1 says, The wilderness and the wasteland shall be glad for them, and the desert shall rejoice and blossom as the rose. It shall blossom abundantly and rejoice, even with joy and singing. The glory of Lebanon shall be given to it, the excellence of Carmel and Sharon, that that uh, they shall see the glory of the Lord, the excellency of our God. So Isaiah is making this declaration. What we need to see about this is that this first part is him filling us with hope. This is, this is whatever, whatever you've seen this scripture before, I'm just talking about this in the context of hope. This is why you can look at a scripture and see it a different way every single time I've even read it a million, a million times, right? Because he's showing you within where he's got you. And so right now, this is, about, this is about hope. I see this as hope. What he does is he fills you with hope first. Through beloved identity, through presence, through this thing, he starts to fill us through the renewing of our mind. He fills us with hope. Then look at this next part. that We're going to section this off. So we stop there. The ex, uh, excellency of God. Going into uh, verse 3. Then it says, strengthen. <clears throat> yes. Verse 3 says, strengthen the weak hands. And make firm the feeble knees. Say to those who are fearful hearted, hearted, be strong, do not fear. Behold, your God will come with a vengeance. With the recompense of God, he will come and save you. 
You see the shift. He filled us. Now we fill them. Freed people, free people. The truth will set you free, not make you a jerk. He will actually set you into a place of such freedom and peace that you're looking for a way. How do I become freedom and peace to someone else? How does what I have, this infilling of hope, impact the world around me? So I see this as he goes into this place of he says, here's, your, here's what I'm going to do to this land. And I'm going to glorify this thing in you. And I'm, gonna, I'm giving you the hope. Then he's then he shifts it and says, so you strengthen the weak hands and make firm the feeble knees. Say to those who are fearful hearted, be strong and do not fear. Behold, your God will come with vengeance with the recompense of God. He will come and save you. And here's the most important word, one word in this entire thing. Remember I told you that Yahweh came to, I felt like I was getting a lot of just revelations of certain things that I think are really amazing, impactful that I'd been asking for and I got interested in. And then he came in and said, hope, and it shut all that down. And this is what I see is, so he he says, he will come and save you. The most important word to me in this entire reading, in this entire chapter is then, then. Then, I thank Yahweh that there was a then in in most of my story, that it wasn't my perspective, that he waited until my perspective lined up with his perspective. He's not in a hurry. We don't need to be in a hurry. I heard someone say once that that he, he, Yahweh does not, uh, he doesn't fulfill the things that he commissioned us to do. He doesn't say, you're, I know you're weary and I know that this didn't work. You, you don't see it as I see it. So sometimes we need to look at ourselves and say, we're, we are, we're the answer. It's Christ in us, the hope of glory. And when he commissions us to be the hope in this land, in this planet, in this, in this county right here, that is what we take on and we become. We see as a responsibility of who we are. So he says, then the eyes of the blind shall be opened and the ears of the death shall be unstopped. Then the lame shall leap like a deer and the tongue of the dumb sing for waters shall burst forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. The parched ground shall become a pool in the thirsty land springs and the thirsty land springs of water in the habitation of jackals where each lay there shall be grass with reeds and rushes a highway shall be there and a road and it shall be called the highway of holiness holiness the unclean shall not pass over it but it shall be for for others whoever walks the road although a fool shall not go astray that's how big he's making this thing through his people of hope we see, I mean, like we, we do, I'm not, I'm not saying that there, it's like, you know, we, we need to make some right choices, but Yahweh desires that we bring, we bring everyone in. We need to stop trying to be right about everything and just start praying that we all go in, that we all walk together, that we're so filled with hope that hopefully it fills someone else with hope, that this thing brings us all into the kingdom. Whoever walks a road, although a fool, shall not go astray. No lion shall be there, nor shall any ravenous beast go up on it. It shall not be found there, but the redeemed shall walk there. And the ransom of the Lord shall return. And this is so big. And, and if y'all stand, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to finish here. Ben and I talked about the correlation of, of, of joy, of joy and hope of joy and hope. And if, if the definition be true, that it's a joy filled expectation or an expectation that fills us with joy, that this hope starts to bring joy in every circumstance. And I love, this is what spoke to me about even reading Isaiah 35 today as it says, and, and come to Zion with singing with everlasting joy on their heads. Awesome. So we come in with joy. What's the answer? They shall obtain They shall obtain joy that if we are coming in with a heart of hope and a heart of joy, that's what we come in with offering him. 
If that's what we're walking in with this hope, with this joy, he starts to fill us with more joy and more hope. Just because I'm feeling some hope and joy now, it's nothing compared to the joy and the hope tomorrow as I step into that thing. So put this to practice. Put this to practice in your own life. Before you go to sleep at night, I am a man, I am a woman of hope, of joy-filled expectation. Every circumstance that you walk into, everything that happens within your life, I just implore you to step into it saying, I am a man, a woman of hope. And I I promise you, because I've lived this, watch what changes. Watch the perspective shift. Watch the renewing. Watch you start to step into the idea that you're not becoming as much as you are being made aware. As, As more as you're accepting who you are, that perspective of who he has you. He doesn't call you becoming son. He calls you son. That's who we are, sons and daughters. Amen. Amen. All right, Yahweh, I speak that over the people today, that we are people of hope, that this thing is taking root in our hearts, that we're not just going to throw this thing away or get lost in the simplicity, but actually see the depth in what you're showing to us. Start to renew our minds. Let us go through a renewing in our minds, a refreshing, like it was the first time, like it was the first day that I believed, like the moment I believed again. Let us wake up with that kind of a renewing, with that kind of refreshing, like the first day you came into my life, like the day that my head came out of the water. Let it be that real and that amazing that that kind of hope invades our lives this week, Yahweh. We love you and we love to do your will. Amen. Amen. Love you guys. Be blessed. Thank you for listening. For more information on The Rock of Bay County, please go to therockofbc.org.